Good morning. Nice to see you this morning. Thank you, Laura, Maze, and the team. Thank you, Eddie and Joyce, for reading so beautifully. Let's spend some time as we continue to focus on uh, this theme. This is our second study together entitled, We Are Family, studies focusing upon this uh, wonderful topic of belonging to the family of God in Christ, the body of Christ. Thinking today, of course, of dealing with disagreements. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together so far this morning. We thank you for the lessons that are presenting themselves to us. Not always easy lessons to learn. We pray for grace this morning, both for preacher and for hearer, that we might have the grace of God to receive that word that your Holy Spirit is endeavoring to communicate. And having heard and received, give us the grace of God to respond appropriately to the prompting of your Spirit. We thank you that we are in Christ here, family. We thank you, Father, for the unseen cords that bind us together. But as any family, inevitably, there are disagreements. Help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to this church today, in the name of Jesus. Amen. If we, this morning, were worshipping in North America, then either side of the altar here, there would be a flag. On the right-hand side, there would be what is known as the Christian flag. On the left-hand side, what is known as a commemorative flag or a remembrance flag for those who served and died for America during the world wars and times of conflict. Well, we, Johnny, was sat in church with his mum on one occasion and inevitably, being we, Johnny, he very quickly got bored. And so he started to kick the back of the seat, as kids do when they're bored, and twiddle his thumbs, and his mum endeavoured to get him to be quiet and to behave. But he was bored. He was a kid, after all. Church can be boring. I've seen mature Christians fall asleep in church, so we can't blame the kids, can we? Can't hide from the pastor, you know, when you start to kip during the sermon. I, I heard that as well. So Johnny got bored and, and eventually to try and occupy himself, he, he, he elbowed his mother and said, Mum, Mum, what's that flag over there? Pointing to the flag on the right hand side of the altar. And his mum said, Oh, Johnny, that's the Christian flag. Oh, well, that seemed to satisfy Johnny. He was in a Christian church. 
he guessed perhaps it natural to have a Christian flag in a Christian church. So that satisfied him for a while. But he was still bored. And, and then after a little while further, he, he nudged mum again and says, Mum, mum, but what's that flag over there? Pointing to the flag at the left-hand side of the altar. Oh, says his mother, that's the commemorative flag. That's for those, she says, who died in the services. Johnny thought for a while. And says, oh, but mum, would that be the morning or the evening service? Our passage this morning concerns those people who died in the services. But they didn't die of boredom. If there's one thing you could say about the church to which James writes, it's this, that nobody was bored. No, you see, most people died in battle. For there was, it seems, continual warfare in this church. And I am sad to have to tell you that it was not battle against the powers of darkness. But it was against a battle between the children of light or the supposed children of light. Now I know what you're thinking. Hang on a minute, pastor. What is it that you're actually suggesting here? Who would consider such a thing? Who would think that such a thing was possible? Well, if we are to be honest with ourselves this morning, and honest with our God, then we have to confess that there are times when we come into church somewhat battle-weary. Wouldn't you agree? We come to church a little shell-shocked. Yes, we attempt to cover up our true feelings by smiling the proverbial Christian smile. But all along we are really walking civil wars. At battle with God. At battle with ourselves. And perhaps at battle with the saints of God. Our fellow Christians. It appears obvious from James's question in chapter 4, verse 1, that such internal battles existed within the Christian church to which James writes. He couldn't be more candid, could he? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Let's consider very quickly Two thoughts. The reason for the internal battles within the Christian church and the remedy for the internal battles within the Christian church. Very simple. I'm a simple soul, as you know. So, what was the reason for the internal battles within the context of the church, the first century church to which James wrote? When we look at human society, we so often see a seething mass of hatred and strife. Philo says, consider the continual war which prevails amongst men, even in times of peace. 
and which exists not only between nations and countries and cities, but also between private houses, or, I might rather say, is present with every individual man. Observe the unspeakable raging storm in men's souls that is excited by the violent rush of affairs of life, and you may well wonder whether anyone can enjoy tranquility in such storm and maintain calm amidst the surge of this billowing sea. Friends, the root cause of this unceasing and bitter conflict is nothing other than desire. Desire. Lucian says all the evils which come upon man, revolutions and wars, stratagems and slaughters, spring from desire. All these things have as the fountainhead the desire for more. Plato said the sole cause of wars and revolutions and battles is nothing other than the body and its desires. Cicero says it is insatiable desires which overturn not only individual men, but whole families, and even which even bring down the state, he says. From desires spring hatred, schism, discord, sedition, and wars. And so it is, I would discern, concerning the fights and the quarrels within the Christian church. James informs the battle-weary Christians to whom he writes that these come from your desires that battle within you. Here James is setting before his readers a basic question. And that is whether their aim in life is to submit to the will of God or to gratify their own desires. And he warns them that if self-gratification is the policy of life, then inevitably nothing but strife, nothing but hatred, nothing but division could possibly follow. My dear brothers and sisters, selfishness, lives dominated by personal desires, is the primary cause for division and for disunity within the confines of the Christian church. The Reverend Robert Amos, who was at times a pastor of Duke Street Baptist Church in Richmond and became a distinguished and highly respected conference preacher, says, I quote, There has crept into our churches too much of the me and the mine, and it has reaped havoc. Who would argue with him? There has crept into our churches too much of the me and the mine. And it has reaped havoc. The seeking after self-satisfaction 
is to be by definition at war with others who are also seeking after self-satisfaction. The matter is put well by James in verse 2. You want something. Again, he doesn't mince his words, does he? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. Those of us here this morning who are parents are familiar, I'm sure, with expressions such as, I want. What I want is. You've heard it, haven't you? Many times. Our children are often heard to voice their wants. Daddy, I want this. Mummy, I want that. Within today's society, I guess we expect these kinds of demands from our children. But how sad it is when similar demands are heard from within the confines of the body of Christ. What I want from my church is this. What I want from Sunday worship is that. What I want, what I want, Lord. What I want. C.H. Spurgeon rather humorously was heard quoting, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist a deacon and he will fly at you. (laughs) Often churches are full of so-called servants of Christ who want what they want. And just like sulking children, they will not join in unless they get their own way. Often we want things changed just for the sake of changing them, just for the satisfaction of knowing that we've upset the status quo. Other times we want things to remain the same just because we have always done it that way. I'm told on the day of resurrection, certain Christian leaders are going to sit up and say, hang on a minute, we've never done it this way before. You know, there's a song, I like it, but there's a song that will never be sung in heaven. Frank Sinatra's I did it my way. Never be sung in heaven. What will be sung is we did it his way. But whilst there resonates this attitude from the heart that is expressed from the lip, I want, then God is not having it. His way. And inevitably, therefore, fights and quarrels break out amongst the brethren. What is the remedy for the internal battles? 
In this life, we have to choose whether to make our main object, our summum bonum, if you like, the supreme good, our desires or God's will. That's the choice. You gather for worship on a Sunday. And at the heart of that corporate and personal act of worship is a choice. Either I am here for my good or I'm here for his. Why are you here? A word of warning, friends. If we choose to make this morning our summum bonum, our main object of life, our desires, then we must be content to become, as I believe an inevitable consequence, separated from God and separated from fellow Christians, possibly from even fellow men. But if, however, we choose to make our summum bonum, our main object in life, the will of God, then we will seek pleasure, not in the fulfillment of our own selfish desires, but in the fulfillment of God's desires for our lives. I well remember, I remember it because I write it down. Not many Christians write notes during a sermon these days. I guess there's perhaps not that much good to write down. But, but I used to write copious notes when Billy Campbell was preaching or visiting speakers back in 1993, the 11th of July in point of fact, in 93, speaking at my home church in Liverpool was a gentleman called Mr. Gordon Taylor. I knew him and his dear wife well. They were representatives in the northwest of England for WEC International. And he says, if I truly belong to God, then the things that give me pleasure ought to be the things that please God. I thought, whoa, there's a, a spiritual nugget to write down. And so I did. And therefore, 24 years on, I can tell you the spiritual nugget. If you and I, if we are men and women after God's own heart this morning, that's not to say that we're perfect. Because David, remember, was a man after God's own heart. And one thing David was not was perfect. In fact, if anyone was prone to sin, David was. And yet, he's still described as a man after God's own heart. If we are such this morning, then friends, the things that give you and I pleasure are the same things that please our God in heaven. The remedy for the internal battles, therefore, simply is submission to the will of God. James writes in chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Couldn't be simpler, could it? Could it? How is it then that we complicate these things? Spiritual dynamics. Couldn't be simpler. What are the, what, what's the remedy for our internal battles, brethren? It's submission to God. How do we submit to God's will? Well, I guess the answer is in the word humility. James uses it in humility. The general theme of verses 4 through 10 is that of humility. 
He concludes in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up. That great Scottish saint, Robert Murray McShane, once says, I charge you, brothers and sisters, be clothed with humility. Or, he says, you will yet be a wandering star for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Ooh, that smarts. He goes on, let Christ increase, let man decrease. Remember, he says, Moses was not aware that his face was radiant. Looking at our own radiant faces is the bane of the spiritual life and of ministry this day, he says. Now, he was writing a few years ago, to be fair, but not much has changed, has it? We Christians are very good at at admiring our radiance in our spiritual mirrors, aren't we? (laughs) Oh, how radiant I am today. (laughs) McShane says, Oh, for closest communion with God, till soul and body, head and heart, shine with divine brilliance, but oh, For a holy ignorance of the shining. I like that. Don't you? Oh, that we might be so close to God. That like Moses, we shine with a holy brilliance. But oh, for for an ignorance. A holy ignorance of our shining. A farmer went into his field with his son. To see if the wheat field was ready for harvest. See, father, exclaimed the excited boy. See how straight these stems hold their head. They must be the best ones. And oh, daddy, he says, see how those stems hang their heads. They can't be good for much, can they? Ah, the wise old farmer plucked a stalk from each kind. And he said to his son, See here, foolish child, this stalk that stood so straight is light-headed and almost good for nothing. (laughs) While this stalk that hung its head so modestly is full of the most beautiful grain. God, give me a church this morning full of those whose heads hang modestly. There's a beautiful chorus, you'll know it. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. Oh, thou spirit divine, All my nature refine till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I love scripture, you know. The older I get, the more I fall in love with it. It couldn't be simpler. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Personal desires. 
We come into the presence of God. We gather for our prayer. We gather for our business meetings. What I want. God looks down from glory. And his heart sinks. The remedy. Is humility. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up. There's an old hymn from the redemption hymnal. Somehow, someway, the Spirit has inscribed it upon my heart. Jesus, see me at thy feet. With my sacrifice complete. I am bringing all to thee. Thine alone I'll be. Have thy way, Lord. Have thy way. This with all my heart I'll say. I will serve thee. Come what may. Dear Lord. Have thy way. Father we thank you for your word. To our hearts this morning. Couldn't be simpler. And we're so grateful, Lord. We're not gathered as those who are mature theologians. (laughs) We're just simple Christian folk who love Jesus. But we're a family, and inevitably, therefore, from time to time, we fall out, we bicker, we fight, we quarrel. But we acknowledge this morning, it's not about us. Father, it's about Jesus. It's about you, Lord. It's about your glory. It's about your fame. It's not about us, as if you should do it our way. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for the opportunity to respond to your word this morning. We do just that in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.